0: Welcome to the You Want Game podcast. I'm your host, Corey Brotherton. What is You Want Game, you might ask. You Want Game has helped many high school student-athletes reach their potential in academics and athletics, as well as personal growth through life skills and career development. The program pairs student-athletes with former college student-athletes who have traveled the same path. In addition to that, there are speaker series and seminars where professionals from various backgrounds are brought in to speak to the student-athletes and to give them a look at the game behind the game. The U1 Game Scholarship Fund awards leadership scholarships to deserving high school students. Go to u1game.org for more information on the organization. Today on the U1 Game podcast, we have Brian Beckham. Mr. Beckham has gained national and international recognition for his work on complex, high-profile legal cases. He has been a Texas Super Lawyer, every year eligible. He was a varsity letterman on the Texas A&M basketball team and a member of the Corps of Cadets. Brian, thanks for jumping on the podcast. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me, Corey.
0: That's a that's a tongue twister of things that you did in college, man. That's only, <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. I didn't even get to the point where I uh, read you are a Ross volunteer.
1: Yeah, that's that that's right. Ross volunteers. So the Ross volunteers is the oldest student organization in the state of Texas, and the idea is that it's basically an elite. It's like the special forces of the corps. So it's like the elite within the elite, or it's supposed to be. And it served as the honor guard of the governor of Texas for something going on 100 plus years and so like for instance when i was in college george bush was governor of texas and when he was inaugurated i got to do what's called a saber arch where you a saber is like a sword you know i don't know if you've ever seen this these military pictures where there's like five guys on one side, five guys on the other, and they're all holding swords up and it kind of forms a tunnel and then people oh, yeah. will walk through it. I got to do that for George Bush and Rick Perry. So oh, wow, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool deal. Pretty cool. Very
0: deal. awesome. Very awesome. So um, how's everything been going with you? Uh, the pandemic, I mean, how, how have you been staying safe?
1: It, it, it's been, it's been going good. You know, I, I, my family, I've got three kids. I've got a two boys, 16 and 14. I've got a daughter who's 12 and we took the quarantine very, very seriously. We live in Houston. Um, for about two months, and then when Governor Abbott, who's the governor of Texas, when he started kind of relaxing things, we started following the guidelines and, you know, doing what the governor was saying was okay to do, and then, uh, but now, Corey, I don't it's July 8th, I think, today. Yes. Um, yeah, Houston's getting worse, man, and it is. so we're, we're actually in Colorado right now. We got up here a couple weeks ago uh, and we'll, we'll probably be here for a while, I think, at least until it gets a little bit better in Houston. But, but other than that, you know, my, my family's doing well. Um, you know, I've got to spend a lot of time with them over the past three or four months, which is we've gotten closer. I think it's been good, but you know, I also want to go out and hang out with my buddies and play golf and get away from my family every once in a while. So that, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. But yeah. But anyway, thanks for asking. We're doing good.
0: Yeah, that's good. I see that you like to fish, too. I think I read some that you uh, do a lot of fishing. You have chance I to love, do that? Yeah, I love Yeah,
1: I love to fish. I love to uh, particularly fly fish, I'll, I'll, but I'll do any, you know, any kind of fishing. But, you know, one of the neat things about Colorado, where we are, we're in the kind of Vale Valley, Beaver Creek area, which is about, oh, I'd say two hours west of Denver is there's so many great fishing places out here. So, you know, I, and I get to go with my boys and spend a lot of time outdoors and right. yeah. So, so fly fishing is kind of my fly fishing and golf. So I'm 47 now, Corey, and I think I played my last basketball game when I was 35. Okay. I, I tell people I officially retired when you I retired. was 35. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. I was playing in this charity game, my kid's school. <laughs> so it was the dads against the coaches and they had, man, they must've had something like, I don't know, man, uh, hang on. They must have had 500 students there watching this game. Oh, wow. And, you know, I'm 35 years old. And I'm probably a little bit out of shape. But, you, you know, as a former athlete, your brain still tells you you can do things Absolutely. that your body can't do. So, yes. So I went and played as hard as I could, man, and we won the game. And the next day I felt like I was 80 years old. Oh, so man. I said, We're I'm proud of the adrenaline. Basketball. Yeah, you're <laughs> done after that. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, I, so I was done after that. So now, now my sports are golf and, and fly fishing.
0: There we go. And, and awesome. Brazilian
1: Jiu-Jitsu, which I started uh, in January. I hadn't been able to do it during the pandemic, but okay. uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, is another thing I'm really interested in.
0: Wow. Awesome. Sounds like you stay active, so that's good to do. Try to. Yeah. Well, not only are we dealing with the pandemic, you know, just the climate in America right now with with racism, uh, riots, uh, yep. you know, police brutality issue after the George Floyd death. Uh, you've you've been very vocal about these issues. I, I saw a podcast that you did. Uh, just just what are your thoughts on all that going on?
1: Yeah. So, and, and I've been I've been like this for a, a long time. I mean, you can go through my social media history. And you can see that I've been talking about uh, these issues a lot. So, you know, uh, Corey, I, 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 I'm very lucky in a way because I was raised, I was raised by a single father. My dad died, or my mom died when I was 10 and my brother was eight. My dad was a colonel, a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. And he, he, he raised me in such a way that Um, I I think I was very lucky. For instance, I have a black adopted older brother. Um, when my dad retired from the military, he ended up being a junior ROTC instructor at a high school in Fort Worth. And one of his students, um, needed help. His family was in a different state. He was working. I mean, literally this guy was working at a Wendy's when he was a sophomore in high school. And my dad took a liking to him and he took a liking to my dad. He ended up living with us and my dad adopted him. And then I played basketball for a long time. So, you know, <clears throat> I'm kind of lucky because I have a lot of friends from that are of all different races and, you know, uh, like good friends. And so I've always had, you know, to me, it's kind of like, uh, at least me personally, it's almost more about friendship than it is about racial issues. Like, so w- when, I'm, when I'm doing what I'm doing on social media, Uh, I'm doing it because I got friends that I feel like uh, are are struggling. And, you know, I think if you're, if you're going to call somebody your friend, then you have a obligation to stand up for them. Right. And so, so kind of, that's, that's always been, you know, my kind of thing. And the other thing Corey is I think people sometimes don't have very good appreciation of history. So for, for example, you, we all remember, a lot of us remember the Olympians who held their fist up Mm -hmm. um, uh, when they, when they won the gold medal, the black fist. Well, back then everybody was a a lot of people, like the majority of people were saying they're un-American. I can't believe they're doing that. You know, it's, it's same with the, you know, people always talk about Martin Luther King and stuff. Well, Well, back, when Martin Luther King was around something like 75% of the people thought he was an un-American communist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, and so, but now we look back on the protesters as heroes and Martin Luther King is a hero. And I, you know, I think the protesters today, we're going to look at them in the same way. The guys like Kaepernick and some of the other guys were in 20 years, we'll look back and say they were right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the heroes you know my son came down and a couple months ago or a couple maybe a month ago and he showed me a picture of the civil rights marchers in Selma like marching arm-in-arm arm. and he said dad this is how you should protest and I said you're right son but you know that like five or ten minutes later they were shooting those folks with water cannons yeah. and sicking dogs on them absolutely and all they were doing was p- peacefully protesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I- I'm, I'm actually, one of the things I'm real optimistic about as it, as it relates to this stuff is, I think after George Floyd, there were a lot of people that were finally like, now I get it. You know, pe- people right. that did not witness this kind of police brutality, uh, people that you would not think would support the protest. I, I think there's an overwhelming amount of support for the protest. Now, there's some knuckleheads that are causing problems, absolutely. and burning stuff, yeah. and you know, and, and and I think that's hurting the cause a little bit. But I think the vast majority of people have kind of had their eyes opened, right? And so I think that's a very, very good thing.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, um... And, and you're also involved with um, a good friend of mine, uh, Cyril White, who's, who's working to try to put together the, the George Floyd um, Recreation Center.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and this is really important, too. This is a point I really want your listeners to, to come away with. So, so matter of fact, I had a call two days ago with, with Cyril. He asked me to be on the board of the organization that he's got that's going to create this athletic center. Mm-hmm. In honor of George Floyd. And here's why I think this is so important, Corey, is because this is real substantive change. It's not symbolic, okay? And I think if you would ask, so, you know, right now we're seeing a lot of statutes being pulled down and stuff like that, a lot of what I would call symbolic change, mm-hmm. okay? And I think if you were to ask most people that support the protesters, they would much rather have substantive change sure. than symbolic change, right? And so the cool thing about what Cyril's doing is this is substantive. Like this is going to be a real thing that people can go to. And, and so I'm, I'm really excited about it because guys like Cyril, they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk, they, right. they make things happen. So yeah, that's, that's really exciting. I'm really excited about that.
0: That's awesome. Thanks for, for sharing that with us, man. Let's, uh, you know, you want a game. Basically, we like to bring in former college student athletes, uh, kind of yep. talk about their journey. And, uh, you know, we know that you played basketball, you were a corporate cadet at Texas A&M. But just where are you from, though? Where did it all start? Um, what was it <laughs> like growing up there? And how did you get into playing sports? We just dive
1: back into your history. Yeah, for sure. So, I my like I said my dad was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force and so I, we moved around a lot. I think I went to six or seven different schools before I graduated from high school. And you know, at the time it was kind of hard. It was it, and my mom died when I was 10 and so it was just me, my older adopted brother and my younger brother. And you know, at the time I thought, man, this stinks having to move around all the time, meet new people, all that sort of thing. Now I look back on it. I'm like, it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because I got friends literally all over the world
0: now. Right. Right.
1: Uh, But anyway, so my basketball story, my sports story kind of started in eighth grade. So I was, you know, I was in Fort Worth, which is where my dad retired out of. And I was the, you know, in middle school and You know, junior high and stuff. I was the quarterback of the football team and I was first baseman on the baseball team and I batted third, but I didn't really play much basketball. And so I'll never forget this. And, you know, Corey, this is the kind of impact that a coach or a mentor can have on you. So when I was in eighth grade at the end of the eighth grade year, I grew very fast. So I was almost six feet tall in eighth grade. And we, we had a new high school basketball coach come in that year. <clears throat> so he came down to watch the eighth graders do layup lines. And I was the only one that could lay the ball up with my left hand and my right hand. Cause I'm ambidextrous. Right. Okay. And I'll never forget this. He came up to me afterwards and he said, I want you to play basketball for me in high school. And at the time I thought I was just going to do what a lot of Texas kids did. I was going to be the quarterback on a football team and play baseball. Right. But that lit a fire in my belly, because it was the first time anybody told me I could be really good in basketball. And so I ended up quitting football and quitting baseball and doing nothing but basketball in high school. Hmm. And we ended up having a <clears throat> phenomenal team. We went to the playoffs for three straight years. We had four guys get Division One scholarships. Wow. Uh, we went to state finals when I was a junior. I got to play against some of the Fab Five. It was just a, the, one of the best experiences you can what, imagine. What high school? It was. It's called Fort Worth Boswell. It's. A, yep, it was a yep. 4A school at the time. We okay. played Dallas Lincoln. Dallas Lincoln beat us by two points in the state semifinals. Oh my! Goodness. We had we had the player of the year, still one of the best high school basketball players I have ever seen. A six four white dude named Tom Etchison. He was a player of the year in Texas. Okay. He shot something like ninety five percent from the free throw line over the season and in the state finals he missed three free throws we lost by two points so
0: goodness
1: but we were close but but it was a great experience I mean I got to play in high school in front of 10,000 people uh in probably at least eight games and and so I was just I was obsessed with basketball I mean I played basketball I'm not kidding you every single day of my high school career like 365 like I would get on a plane to go visit my mother's mother, who's in Pennsylvania. I literally carry a basketball on the plane with me. Yeah, yeah, so, because I wanted to be in the NBA. Right. That was my goal. Sure. I I wanted to play in the NBA.
0: Yeah, you love playing the game, uh, and and you did all these things, but obviously you had to have your grades up. You're you're obviously very intelligent becoming a lawyer, but what were your grades like Mm -hmm. back then in high school also?
1: You know, uh, that's a good question, Corey. When, when I was in high school, it wasn't as hard as it is now. And nowadays, I think it is way, way more competitive. So I had good grades. I was in the National Honor Society. I took the SAT. My dad made me take the SAT four times because every time I took it, my scores went up a little bit. And so, I, you know, National Honor Society, all that sort of thing. And so My grades were good, but I I will tell you this. When I got to college, I had no study habits, none. And if it were not for the basketball team, I probably wouldn't have made very good grades in college because when I was playing on the basketball team, we had study hall five nights a week, three hours a night. The assistant coaches are sitting there watching you. And I was like, heck, I might as well study. You know, I got nothing else to do. So I ended up making really good grades in college too, mainly uh, because of that.
0: Now, how did you choose Texas A&M?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, so there's two reasons for that. The first reason, I, I got a number of offers to some smaller schools. And okay. so my, my decision was between uh, being what they didn't call it this back then, but it, uh, basically a preferred walk on. So, okay. so I didn't have to try out for the team at A&M. I was on the team when I got down there. So it was either being a preferred walk-on at A&M and seeing if I could work my way into the rotation, or going to a smaller school and starting. And I think there's a lot of different reasons why people might choose one or the other. My dad went to A&M; he played football there, Mm -hmm. and my granddad went to A&M. And so I was always kind of a big Aggie. That's the number one reason. (laughs) The number two reason is. Because when I went to the Oklahoma State basketball camp when I was a junior in high school, Eddie Sutton was a coach. Remember Eddie Sutton Absolutely. Coach at Kentucky. My wife went to Oklahoma State, so they. Yeah, so you know exactly what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah. So my dad told me, Corey. He called, he told me like four years ago. He said, "I never told you this, Brian, but Eddie Sutton wanted you to come play for Oklahoma State." Oh wow! And I said, "What?" Yeah, he said, "I never told you that because I wanted you to go to a And M." <laughs> so, so I could have gone to Oklahoma State and played for Eddie Sutton, but I ended up at A and M, and it was a, it was a really, really good experience in a lot of ways. Uh, and but, but probably first and foremost, first and foremost was that I met some really, really good friends. Right,
0: right. And and you talked about uh, being around different, different people and kind of, you know, um, it's true to who you are today. So, what was that experience being around different people from different places once you got to Texas A and M? whether it be you know, your, it, it, your teammates or, or anyone.
1: It it was uh so so again, I, I had a little bit of an advantage, Corey, because I had been to five or six different schools already. And so I, I had already uh gotten a chance to meet people from all over the world. And and it, it it's a it's a skill to be able to do that. And so when I get to A and M, you know, it, it really wasn't that big of a uh a change for me. I mean, I was playing with my basketball buddies and I, you know, met some people outside the basketball team. But for me, you know, and I think most people that have played sports will agree with this, especially team sports. Uh, the best part is always the teammates, you know, the the friendships you have. I mean, I have friendships today that I will have for the rest of my life as a result of basketball. Absolutely. What was your major? Yeah, I majored... So I was a general studies major when I first got to nm, which just means I didn't have a major because I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do, Corey. I mean, I wanted to play basketball that that was my focus and uh but I like computers, okay. and when I was in high school, I had hacked into the teacher's computer and changed everybody's grades to an A back when that was really easy to do, <laughs> and so you know, I just gradually started gravitating towards computers, and for the young folks listening to this, there was no smartphones, there was no email, there was no text, there was no, none of this stuff. I mean, the internet had just been invented by the military back in 1991. They just had the first web browser. Wow. I got email, but only 10 other people had email, so <laughs> you couldn't really use it, but but I ended up um, studying computer science, and then I got another degree in philosophy, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's what I did before I got to uh, before I got to law school. Right. So
0: uh, mentors that you may have had, um, you know, I know your dad was a very influential person in your life, but uh, talk about some mentors that you may have leaned on in college to, you know, help you get through some things.
1: Yeah. So my first mentor, Corey, was my high school basketball coach. And his name's Clayton Brooks. He he coached at uh, South Garland, coached at our school, took a bunch of teams to state finals and he was the person who basically put it in my mind that i could do anything i wanted to if i worked hard enough at it and so from a pretty young age you know the age of 14 or 15 i developed this mentality that that i still have today that still serves me today that if there's something i really really want if i will put my mind to it and work hard like work really really hard um, then I can do basically whatever I want to do. Right. And so, so you know, in addition to my dad being a huge influence on me for a, for a lot of different reasons, Coach Brooks uh, was probably one of the biggest mentors uh, in my life because he kind of pushed me in the direction of, you know, there's a lot of people I think that have, there's a great book on this, by the way, two different mindsets, okay? One mindset is called a fixed mindset. And basically what that means is, you think you have certain talents, you have certain skills and that's just what you've been given and that's it. And then there's another mindset called a growth mindset where your, your attitude is, I've got certain skills and abilities and I can make them better with work. And so the example that I like to use in this is let's say you're, you, you constantly tell your kids, oh, you're so smart. You're so smart. You're so smart. And then they come and they get a bad grade what are they going to think? They're going to think, well, I must not be that smart, right? Whereas if instead, when your kid is doing well in school, you say you're working so hard, you're working so hard, you're earning this, you're earning this. Then if they get a bad grade, what do they think? Well, I just need to work a little bit harder, right? And so Coach Brooks gave me this growth mindset attitude that basically said that, you know, if I work hard enough, uh, for long enough, I can do just about whatever i want to do so so he was probably my my biggest influence uh, at least athletically f- by a long shot
0: right uh corps of cadets. Tell us a little bit about that and and uh what that that program is about. You played basketball, but decided yeah. that you the corpse
1: of cadets yeah so so the core is my my dad and granddad were both in the core the core is kind of like West Point or uh, the Naval Academy. It's one of the few uh, ROTC units where you're literally wearing a uniform 24 hours a day. There's no, see most ROTC, so ROTC is reserve officer training course. So for people that want to be military officers, what you normally do is you go to reserve officer training uh, school in college where you learn how to be a military officer and, but most schools you only do that a couple hours a week. Whereas if you go to West Point or you go to the Naval Academy, the Air Force Academy, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the entire school year. And the Corps of Cadets at A&M was like that. And about half of the men and women that get in the Corps will go into the military, about the other half won't. I'd never wanted to get in the military. I just, I, mm-hmm. my dad had done that. I'd lived the military lifestyle, it just sure. was not my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did want to be a part of something and so i t I'll tell you that this is this is literally why I joined the Corps, okay? You you'll get a kick out of this. So I stopped playing basketball after my freshman year at AM. I was totally burnt out. And I and and so the first semester of my sophomore year at A and I wasn't doing anything. I was just a student. And me and my one of my buddies, we used to see these core guys playing flag football all the time. And they were really good because they were practicing and they, you know, they had all the plays and stuff. And so I literally joined the core, Corey, in order to be on a good flag football cool. team. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, we had a great time because, yeah. you know, I, I, I stopped playing basketball for about six months. And then when I picked it back up again, I was, I was way better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I tell my son, I, I said, I think one of the things, if there's one thing I could change about the way I did my basketball, I think I would have taken a little, I would have oh, taken some breaks right here and there. You know, the, the best athletes in the world LeBron James, Mike, you you Michael Jordan, you name it. When the basketball season's over with, they don't do anything for yeah. a couple of weeks. They right? relax. They relax. Yeah. They chill. Like yeah. golfers do the same thing. They put their clubs yeah. up for a couple of weeks. And, uh, and and yeah, so but but anyway, the it, it was a uh, the core Cadets was a great experience. I got to meet uh, people that are still some of the best friends in my life. And, um, you know, I, I also, when I was done, I was like, okay, I've done the military thing. Now, I, right. now I know I don't need to do that. Sure, right. Sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. So after you graduate from Texas AM, what do you, what are you think your next step is going to be? Did you always want to go to law school or what happened with, with, with that decision?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And so I tell people, I say, you know, I spent four years in college as a computer science major sitting behind a computer screen. And I decided I didn't want to Sit behind a computer all the time, and now twenty years later, as a lawyer, what do I do? Sit behind a computer screen, you know, most most of the time. And, and so, anyway, uh, what what did it? There was kind of two things that did it for me, Corey. I think the first thing was that when I was in the Corps of Cadets, there were cadets that got in trouble, and. Uh, to the point of almost, they might have been getting kicked out of uh, of the university. And so, when I was in a leadership position in the Corps of Cadets, when I was an upperclassman, I defended these guys, mm-hmm. and and I liked how it felt. I, I liked being able to help people that needed help. I, I, it, it, you know, selfishly, it made me feel good. And 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 I also have always had this. Um, you know, sticking up for the little guy kind of mentality. Like I don't root for the New York Yankees. Okay. They're the big dudes. <laughs> I like the underdogs. Right. Sure. And, 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 so that was part of it. The other part of it was when my mother, my mother died as a result of some very, very serious negligence. And my dad hired a lawyer and, and you know, I was too young to remember this. I only found this out after the fact, but my dad hired a lawyer to represent um, our family. My, me and my brother and my dad, and and he won the case, and because of that, I was able to go to college and law school without racking up a bunch of debt. And so I think subconsciously, Corey, I always kind of uh, that, that path of of whatever it was going to be, whether it was a lawyer or something else, of helping people, and in particular, like I I, I did not want to take my talents and go work for some giant corporation to see how much money I could make them. There's plenty of people that can do that, right? I, I, I was going to do something for real human beings. And so those are kind of the two things I think that ended up, uh, you know, I, I went straight from college to law school. And so I was five years of college and then three years of law school. Right. Um, but that, that's kind of why I went to law school originally.
0: And, and I mean, you've been very successful and had some very high profile cases. Um, yeah. You know, one that I read about as you were a part of the Captain Phillips case yeah. that they made a movie yeah. about. Uh, how how yeah. did you get involved with, with, with that?
1: You know, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was it really was crazy. So the cook. Uh, of the, so the ship was called the Marisc Alabama. A lot of people remember this. So the Marisc Alabama got uh, attacked by Somali pirates and then the Navy SEALs come and came and killed three of the four pilots. And it was on the news. This was when Obama was president. And then the captain Phillips, captain Richard Phillips was the captain of that ship. He came back. He got to meet with president Obama. He wrote a book, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Uh, so captain Phillips comes back and he's being lauded as this big hero and the crew Knew better, okay. And so I got a call from the the, the head chef on the on the American, Alabama, and he said, "Hey, I want you to represent me." The captain actually broke the rules and went someplace he was not supposed to go, and that's why we got kidnapped. And we want to write a book with him about it, and he's refusing to do it because mm. he wants it to make all the money himself, right? And so I was like, okay, what the heck, I'll, you know, I'll represent you. Well, the next thing I know, I got all these other crew members calling me and now I've got almost over half the crew of the ship and I'm representing them. But there was no, we had no idea there was going to be a movie made out of this. And so it's kind of funny because we were scheduled, we we fought this case. I mean, they fought this case so hard. We, We had cases in Texas. We had cases in Virginia. We had cases in Uh, Alabama it ended up being in Alabama in the end but you know the about halfway through the case I find out they're going to make a movie out of this and Tom Hanks is going to play Captain Phillips and I'm like oh my gosh everybody loves Tom Hanks yeah I got to get to court before this movie comes out or or otherwise the jurors you know they're going to be all biased and so I'm sitting there telling the judge I'm like judge you got to you got to let us go to court as quickly as possible. We got to go to court before the movie comes out. And then the the insurance lawyers for Marisk were like, no, it'll be fine. We'll just wait until after the movie comes out. Anyway, the judge decided to wait. And that was probably the best thing that happened in the case for me. I lost, I lost that issue, but I ended up getting millions of dollars in free publicity. I was in the New York times. I was on good morning, America, nightline, papers in London, and here, here was the bottom line, Corey. The, uh, the story that was told in the movie, yes, it's true that they were attacked by Somali pirates. Everything else is basically fiction. What, what ended up happening is Captain Phillips was told to stay 200 nautical miles off the coast of Somalia. This was the worst pirate spot in the world at the time, but they only have little small boats. So they can't get out that far. They can't get out in the big waves. And Captain Phillips decided to take a shortcut is what it amounted to, Mm. got way too close and then got attacked. And uh, some of the crew members that I represented actually fought, these pirates had AK-47s and they fought them off with spoons. Mm. And uh, so anyway, it was a really, really neat case. We ended up uh, winning the case and and getting a a very, very good confidential settlement uh, for the guys.
0: Wow. That's great congratulations yeah. on that. how you. does your um, you know core background and athletic background help prepare you for for what you're doing now
1: it, it, it is it is absolutely the best preparation you can imagine so I, I want all your listeners, especially the younger kids listening to know that sports is the directly transferable the lessons you learn in sports are directly transferable to business or or to life in general like you know, I tell people all the time now I say <clears throat> I will not hire somebody to work as a lawyer without some sort of sports background or uh, Eagle Scout or I, I want to see something outside of just school like something that shows me that you have discipline right that you can work with a team work with others absolutely with yeah. others that you don't quit yep, yep. Uh, you know stuff like that and so you know I, I developed <clears throat> in for the basketball players out there, you guys will know what I'm talking about in girls. The higher up you get in basketball, the tougher you gotta be. I mean college, I tell people college basketball is as tough and physical as high school football. And college sports in general, mentally is, is way different too. It's much more of a business, you gotta work harder, you gotta plan your time better. And so when all those different characteristics, the toughness, the planning, the teamwork, That is exactly what I look for when I hire lawyers to work for me now. And the other thing is, particularly in my business, I mean, when I go into court, it's just like walking onto that court right before tip off, like the basketball court. It's me against the other person. And the only thing I can tell you for sure, Corey, about the lawyers that I go against is they know that I will never quit. They, they know they're going to have to beat me. And it was the same way in basketball. You know, I would walk on the court. I, I ended up being 6'2". So I was guarding guys 6'4", 6'5". Some guys were bigger than me. I was really skinny. So I was, you know, 190 pounds maybe. Uh, but but I was tough, right. you know. and And you were going to have to work your ass off to beat me. And <clears throat> there was no backing down. And when I walked on that court... I, you know, I, I like to think I'm a pretty nice guy off the court, but when I walked down that court, man, Different beast, huh? I was a killer. Yeah. yeah, no, no. I was coming to get you. And, and that, that was it. And it's the same way when I walk into a courtroom now, yeah. when I walk into a courtroom, that's because the insurance company hasn't offered my client enough money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And let me tell you something. When I step in that courtroom, I'm coming, I'm coming to kill you. I mean, I'm I'm coming to get those insurance companies. Right. And so, so that's kind of the, those kind of, you know, lessons. The other thing is like, you know, in basketball, like I played on a great high school team. We were such a team. We, 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 we really didn't have any prima donnas. And, you know, one of the things in basketball is if Corey, if I feed you the ball for a wide open dunk and you start pointing at yourself, that's selfish, right? We were taught, like, you set me up for a good shot. I'm pointing at you. Mm -hmm. Right. You're the guy that set me up. And it's the same way in business. Like you shouldn't care too much about who gets the credit. You should care about whether the team, the organization is successful. So anyway, there, there are so many good lessons that you can get out of sports. Absolutely.
0: Well, one last thing I'd like to know, what is, what is one important thing that you'd like to share with our current student-athletes? I mean, you've already thrown out so many nuggets, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with current student-athletes who may want to follow your footsteps and you know, become a lawyer or anything yeah, and, that they might want to do?
1: Yeah, so, so great question, great question. So, so I think what I would probably say to that, Corey, is probably the best piece of advice I ever got from my dad was don't quit and he actually, he, he actually gave me a book that uh, says don't quit and he inscribed a long message when I went to college. And there were times when I was playing basketball where I didn't feel like finishing the season. There were times when I was in the Corps of Cadets where I didn't feel like doing this anymore. There were times when I was in law school or times in business where, man, I just, I don't like the way this is going, but I never ever quit. Never, ever, ever quit. Finish what you start. Because if you start quitting on the little things, it'll become a habit and you'll start quitting on the big things. So that's probably the biggest, you know, the biggest uh, piece of advice, probably the one thing I would say, if anything that has contributed the most to my success is when I start something, I finish it. Period. End of discussion. I never quit. So for all you kids out there right now, we're living in very hard times. It's going to get better though. It's going to get better. But if you have a coach that's mean to you, if you're on a team that's not doing well, if you're not starting, don't quit, keep going. Because if you keep going, eventually, eventually you will succeed.
0: Very good. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. That's our time. We, we'd like to thank you once again for coming on. Do you have a social media or any way we'd, uh, our listeners can follow you?
1: Yeah. So my law firm is V is in Victor, B is in Brian, VB, VB Attorneys, all one word. And then you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, all Brian Beckham. Uh, just Google Brian Beckham, and I'm, I'm kind of all over the internet right now. So <laughs> That
0: sounds good. Well, thanks once again to Brian for joining us and talking to us today. We'd love to hear from you. Please visit U1Game.org and let us know how we can help you. Also, follow our movement and join the conversation at U1Game. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Until next time, I'm Corey Brotherton.